Good morning again, Move Church family. I just can't wait to see your smiling faces next Sunday. Don't forget 8.30, 10 o'clock. It's going to be good. Hey, so I want to jump into the message. I have really been excited about this message, uh, and I hope you have too. I, I hope for some that have not been ready that, uh, that God's got a hold of you, and you're now ready. Uh, don't wait. And, and for us that have been living for God for quite some time, that we're we're ready. But we have. I hope this, these messages make us more excited about Christ coming, and burdens us. I, I hope that we get a new burden for reaching those that are not ready, because the rapture is going to happen, ready or not. Our key text, series text, is found in First Thessalonians. 4, 15 through 17. I'm going to read it again. It says, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will not certainly precede those who have fallen asleep. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Isn't that going to be amazing? And the dead in Christ will rise first. That's, that's not the Presbyterians. That's those that have, that have actually lived for God and died. Um, they're going to rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we be with the Lord forever. That's good news for us that are ready. Uh, so today's text are two, is two. The first one is John 14, 2 and 3, and Jesus spoke both of these, but let me read John to you first. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Y'all, I'm going to get a mansion, ain't you? If it were not so, Jesus said, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus, this master carpenter, has been working on our homes, and it's going to be beautiful. Then in Matthew, though, on the flip side, on Matthew 24, 21, Jesus said this, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. So this tribulation time, this hasn't nothing like this has ever been experienced, or nothing after that uh, time will compare. So today's message is titled "Heaven and Earth." Let's pray, Father. I thank you today for today. This is a good day to serve you. It's a good day to be ready for your coming. Should you come today, I believe, Lord, you're stirring the church up with anticipation and excitement. You're getting people ready. You love us so much, Lord. Lord, maybe somebody's watching this video now and they're not ready. And, and uh, Lord, they your, your spirit is working on them. I know. Lord, today, speak to their hearts again. Give them another opportunity. Lord, let their eyes be open and ears uh, be, uh, to hear what you're saying to them. You love them so much, Lord. And uh, I pray today that they would surrender their lives to you. 
And now, Lord, for all of us, would you speak to our hearts? Church, would you pray this? Lord, speak to my heart. Lord, change my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Get ready. He's, he, he's doing it, and he wants to do it some more. So the rapture of the church is going to be the trigger for many of or all the other end-time events. And for the Christian, it's going to be wonderful being in heaven. For the unbeliever, unfortunately, it's going to be torment on earth. There are two very different kinds of experiences mankind will uh, have that are that start with the rapture. So first I want to talk about uh, the events in heaven, what happens in heaven right after the rapture. Of course, we'll be with the Lord and in heaven. And uh, just can you imagine the first day in heaven, your first few moments getting there, the, the sights, the, the feelings, uh, the um, thankfulness, the, the, the love, the, the relief, the reunion with loved ones that have died before, the anticipation of eternity, anticipation of the upcoming events that you'll know about. Uh, seeing the saints of the old of, of the Bible, I, I want to see Paul. I got to talk to that brother and uh, David, man, uh, Moses. Think about it. we'll get to see them and talk to them, and then to be able to hug Jesus. It will be a little social distancing then. I'm gonna hug Jesus. Is going to say, "You got to let me go, boy," because I'm gonna grab a hold of him. And um, the only problem, though, that I I see. Uh, about heaven, I believe there's going to be uh, at first a realization of those that we uh, don't see, those that are not there. And I, I, I believe God will have to do something because that can really mess up heaven. And, and I think in the scripture, there's a scripture that proves that he does because Revelation 7, 17 says this, the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And I believe that's, that, that has to happen for heaven to be heaven. I mean, if I look around and see some of my loved ones that, that I mean, that I, that I, I, I hope that are there already, and those that are yet to to die, I, I hope they're all ready, and I hope I see them all. But if I if I look around and don't see one of them, it, it's going to break my heart. And God, I believe at that time, He will remove those thoughts when He wipes those tears from our eyes. So let me uh, talk to you about these two heavenly events. Um, the first one is this: if you're taking notes, the first heavenly event is the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10 talks about it. It said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now you may be getting a little nervous with that. You may say, wait a minute, I thought my sins 
or forgiven. Yes, we're not going to be judged for our sins. Aren't you thankful for that? Because God says when he forgives us, he not only forgives us, he forgets about it. So this is not a time that we have to pay for our sins. I'm so thankful. But we will be judged as a believer. We will be, as believers, we will be judged by Christ for two things. The works that we did for him. And here's the biggie. The motives of our heart for doing those works. See, you can do the right thing with the wrong motive and it's not pleasing to the Lord. Now, you can't do the wrong thing <laughs> with the right motive. That still doesn't work, right? You got to do the right thing with the right motive to be pleasing to the Lord. So what are some wrong motives that we can have for doing things for God? I mean, Christians, we can have these motives. You got to be careful because... The, one of the wrong motives is personal gain, that we, we do something uh, saying that it's for the Lord, but it's really for our own good. Like so many times as a youth pastor, I saw teenagers go up to the altar to pray for pretty young girls at the altar. <laughs> yeah, they were up there praying, but they were praying for a date. <laughs> it was the wrong. It was for personal gain, wrong motives. Uh, another wrong motive is to get attention, and uh, that's that's so common. You got to be very careful because we all like attention, right? And then uh, another one is control to gain control over a person, over a situation, over their feelings. So, what are some of the right motives? Some that I came up with is uh, love. Love is is the greatest motive. Our love for God and our love for each other that we should do things out of love. And in and, and 1 Corinthians 13, it says, if we do things without love, they're useless. So love, a worship, worship to God, giving God glory should be the motive of our heart for all that we do. Lifting God up, making sure he is honored and worshiped. And then I, I said this one, God's, God's glory. So our worship to the Lord, but for others to give God glory. So at the judgment seat of Christ, our right motives will be rewarded. The wrong motives will be exposed. <laughs> so let me read Second Corinthians, excuse me, First Corinthians three eleven through fifteen. It says, "For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw." Their work will be shown for what it is because the day, capital D, the day, will bring it to light. And I, think, I believe it's talking about there, this judgment day, this um, before Jesus. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what, he had, if what has been done survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. So again, this is not our sins. This is our works, right? And listen to this other statement. It's sort of troubling. It says this. Uh, the, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. I don't want to just make it through the pearly gates with smoke on my pants. Man, 
and there will be some there. You may say, well, brother, I just want to make it through. No, I, I want some rewards. I don't want to be a pauper in heaven. I don't want to be begging. Heaven's eternity is a long time to be eating potty meat sandwiches. I want, I want my ribeyes for eternity. I want rewards, but I got to make sure I do it with the right motives, the works of the Lord. So the there may be some other reasons that we're judged for. We may be judged for um, laziness. Hmm? We may be judged for partial obedience. Hmm? There may be some other things, but I know I see those, those two things, our works and the motives of our heart. That brings me to the second heavenly event. After that, this event takes place. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, Revelation 19, 7 through 9 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed by fine linen, clean and bright for the fine linen for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints so the bride of the Christ I taught you this last week is the church verse 9 then he said to me right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb so this is proof that God is southern it's a supper it's not dinner and it's going to be a good supper it's going to be a party it's going to be awesome and the Bible doesn't say a lot about this event. Uh, it's just going to be amazing. Um, finally, we will be one with Jesus. No longer will the sinful nature interfere with our relationship with God. Uh, the church, the bride of Christ, will be united completely with Christ as one. No more denominations. Uh, no color will separate us. No Financial status will separate us. Popularity and fame, it won't matter. We will be one in heaven. So since it's going to be like that way in heaven, we better go ahead and practice that now. Amen? And just be one. Let's come together as the body of Christ. So these two wonderful events are taking place in heaven. And during this time, earth is experiencing a couple of events also. Let me talk to you about those. The first one is this, the great tribulation begins. The day the rapture takes place, uh, theologians believe that is the beginning of the great tribulation. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 21, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no nor ever shall be. So this great tribulation period is, is a period of seven years and it is divided into two parts the first part is a period of three and a half years where there will be actually peace and prosperity on the earth the world will be united uh, finally under this one world government that that our leaders have been pushing for for a long time now and there will be a new world leader It'll be a time of utopia for the world. Uh, that's, that's the reason why I believe the rapture's got to take place because the church has got to be gone. They can't have the peace like they want with us here preaching the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And um, so it's, it, it will be believed that God, uh, that many will uh, say 
heard this theory before and it makes sense that many will say that God removed the troublemaking Christians from the world so finally the world can have peace. The Jewish people who, uh, the majority of them who have rejected the Messiah, some have, are believers, but the majority have rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Well, they will receive this new world leader as their Messiah, and he will actually perform miracles and deceive many. He will be the Antichrist. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9 talks about him. It says, when that man of evil comes, it will be the work of Satan, and he will come with great power, and he will do all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders. Talking about deception. The second part of this great tribulation is the will also be three and a half years, the second, second half of those seven years, and it will be a time of death and destruction. The Antichrist will uh, finally reveal himself for who he really is, and, the, and uh, many of the Jews will see that they have been deceived by him. And by this time, though, he will have complete economic control and he will institute a system to regulate buying and selling. And this is what is known as the mark of the beast. Revelations 13, Revelation 13 talks about it. It said he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who is the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Isn't it interesting that we hear even some language sort of like this when it, when it comes to the vaccine coming up? I, folks, I don't, again, I don't think uh, the mark of the beast, uh, the, uh, that, that is the mark of the beast, but you see this language even being there and how, how things, events can quickly turn to things like this. 18, it says, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, I personally believe that it's going to be uh, an, an identification chip, and that's already been developed, and, and I believe we'll see that come to the forefront with all of this happening. Uh, remember, the technology itself is not evil. It will be the one that is behind it, his agenda, his system that you'll have to take allegiance to. And then if you do that, again, this is after the rapture, but you'll receive the mark then, the mark of the beast. The second earthly event, I love this one. And I love these folks, man. I just... I. I was going to say I want to be here to see it, but I really don't. But uh, maybe God will let me watch it from heaven. Because it's the two witnesses. And man, they, they are cool. Uh, Revelation talks about it. And God says, and I will appoint my two witnesses. And they will prophesy for 1260 days. So almost that three and a half years. Clothed in sackcloth. So they'll come on the scene, I believe, in the second part of that. Now you understand, I could be wrong with some of this, and um, I ain't planning on being here to see if I'm wrong or not, <laughs> okay? Uh, but this is from Scripture and from reading 
other theologians, uh, theologians the way they interpret the scriptures, that they'll be here in the second half, and these witnesses is believed to come down from heaven. I personally believe these two witnesses will be Enoch and Elijah. And the reason why I believe that, some say that it will be uh, Moses and Elijah because they appeared uh, to uh, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. But I believe it's going to be Enoch and Elijah because they're the only two individuals that we know of in the Bible that have never tasted death. And the Bible tells us that there is an appointed time, that death is an appointed for all men. So uh, I believe those two will be the, the two, Enoch and Elijah, and they'll come because the scripture says, Revelation says, they will be killed by Satan and they will lie in the streets for three and a half days. Their bodies will be refused of burial and they will be in the streets for the world to see but an amazing thing takes place then. After three and a half days, the Bible says the breath of God will enter their bodies. <gasps> Can you imagine what, what is going to be said about that? They'll come back to life, and then they'll be raptured again to heaven as a, as a witness again. Now, soon after all of these events, the judgment of God will be poured out and it will be the greatest devastation the world has ever known. The stage then will be set at the end of these seven years for heaven and earth to collide. Now, I'll get into some of that next week. But we must be concerned about those, our friends, our family, mankind that are not ready. That should Jesus come today, they're not ready. You may say, well, preacher, people have been saying that since Jesus was taken up to heaven. Yeah, I, and I get that. And you understand that every one of us will leave this earth either through the grave or by rapture within a hundred years. None of us will be here, we'll be in eternity. It will be either be with Jesus in heaven through the rapture or the grave, or we'll be in hell through the grave. So whether Jesus comes back within the next hundred years, I personally believe I'm going to experience the rapture, but should I not, I better be ready. At my age, I'm 50 already, so I don't have the 100 years, right? And I have to be ready. And I want others to be ready. I want to take as many people to heaven with me as possible. And if you are a child of God, that should be your desire, your concern. So I, I would personally say, man, even to your lost loved ones, witness to them. We're going to talk about that in a minute, how you can be a witness but if they refuse you, write a note, should the rapture take place, when they come to look at your Bible, and they will, if they know you to be a child of God, leave them a personal note on what they can do at that moment, what's happening. Make some reference notes to them, some scriptures that they can read, so hopefully they can turn to Christ. Y'all, there'll be people that are saved by the two witnesses during that time. It's going to be extremely difficult, though, I'm telling you. But maybe... If, if they're not raptured, they'll look at that, they'll see what's happening, and they'll 
as Christ into their life, no matter how difficult it is. Okay, so let me give you a closing three ways for you and I to witness. Until those two witnesses come, we are God's witnesses on this earth right now. And we should also be able to perform miracles, right, in the name of Jesus. We should be able to see wonders and, and pray for wonders for people. They should see God's wonders working in our lives. So we are his witnesses. We are his plan to reach people now and to get them ready. So let me give you three ways, just easy ways. You probably heard of these before. But the first one is this. Folks, let's just live the life. Let's just let God's word and his spirit work in us and through us. And let's just live it. Let's don't pretend. If you're not right with God, don't pretend that you are. Come clean. Say, I am a sinner. I have an addiction. I have a stronghold. I need you to forgive me, God. Please forgive me and help me. And connect with some believers that's going to love on you, that's going to hold you accountable that's going to help you to walk it out, okay? So live the life. I heard this when I was a child. I heard someone say this, and it stuck with me. It says, you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. So how will they serve the Jesus, how will they serve Jesus if they can only go by the way you serve him? Paul said this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And listen to what he said. He said, if you do what I do, you'll be okay. And can we say that? Just live the life. Hey, if you've messed up, ask forgiveness. Ask God to forgive you. Ask others to forgive you. And go on after the Lord. You have to be intentional. You have to be purposeful. He's here to help you. But you've got to help yourself. You know what to do. You say, well, pastor, I don't know what to do. Well, just contact me. You got to get into a church. You got to get into the word. You got to pray, be around other believers. All of that is going to help you live the life. That's the best witness. Someone else said, be a witness for Christ and sometimes use words. So there's no greater witness than just a, li uh, just a life lived out for Jesus. The second thing that we can do, second way to be a witness, is to pray for those without Christ. When we pray for those without Jesus, we gain a burden for them. We become intentional uh, about trying to win them to Christ. We look for opportunities. But you've got to begin first praying for them. Pray that God would use you, and if he cannot use you, use somebody. My prayer for my family has been, God, don't let them die without knowing you. So my whole family, I believe God is working. He can't make them get saved, but he sure can put them in places where they call out on the Lord. And, and um, they're either going to do that or going to live to be 357 years old. I don't know, but my prayer is, God, whatever it takes, use me, use someone else, just don't let them die. I've had the opportunity of of praying with a couple of my family family members on the deathbed and others i prayed on their deathbed to receive christ i've heard of other stories where pastors say that they uh, went to pray for someone that was dying and and he you could hear them shout and they would scream that they could feel flames on their feet 
folks don't wait and, and you yourself, but also reach those, be intentional about reaching those. You got to begin praying for them. Pray for them. Pray God will save their soul. Pray God will move. Pray God will send angels, whatever it takes to reach them. Pray that God would do that. I'm an experience. I, I, I'm a byproduct of a praying mom. She prayed me in. I, now I had to choose God, right? I still my will, but but I I saw God everywhere I turned. I saw Him in the bar. I, I heard Him. I saw Him showing up at places and blessing me, even when I was running from Him. And I said, Why? Why am I running from this God that loves me so much? And God will do the same for your loved ones. You pray for them. You pray. You pray like today will be their last day. Pray earnestly for them. And then number three, the third way, is share what you've experienced. That is being a witness. A witness is saying what you have experienced. A witness in court just tells their story. And this is what we should all be able to do. We should be able to tell our story. Every one of us should be able to share our testimony in about three minutes. Write it down. If you've never written down your testimony, write it down and write it in a way that you can share it in three minutes. Real concise but powerful in that testimony. Say what your life was like before Christ and then how you met Christ, what brought you there and, and how you accepted him. And then the third thing is how your life is now with Christ. And I sure hope you can say there's a difference because it should be. So your life before Christ, how you met him and how your life is now with him, your testimony, you're a witness. You can win your family. God can use you. I've seen it. God can use you to win your family and your friends. Don't be ashamed. Declare what Jesus has done for you. So uh, I want to close with two prayers, and we'll pray that salvation prayer because there's someone today, you're watching, and you're not ready, but today the Lord is speaking to your heart. The scripture says today is the day of salvation, and the Lord is so faithful to speak to you. He's so faithful. He loves you so much, and my friend, if he's pulling on your heart, now is the time to give your heart to him. You understand, you may not, but the scripture says that we did not choose him. He chose us. And the reality of it is if he did not choose us, we wouldn't have a way to get to him. But if he's choosing you today and you feel your heart stirred, that is the Lord choosing you. He's calling you. He wants you to be saved. And today I'm going to say a prayer with you. As a matter of fact, the way we do it at Move Church, we all pray it together. And before I do that, though, well, no, church, let's go ahead and pray this one now. Don't want to wait another second. So if this is you, my friend, and you want to ask Christ into your life, you want to be ready, pray this prayer with us. Speak it from your heart. And we're going to pray with you. I'm going to give you the words to say you give the Lord your heart, though, okay? Let's pray at church. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Would you forgive me for all my sins? Would you come into my heart? Would you change my life 
And I'm going to do my very best to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, if you just prayed that prayer from your heart, beautiful thing just happened. You were just forgiven of all your sins. The Holy Spirit just moved into your life. He's there to do a work in you. You may not feel anything now. You might, you might have, but uh, if you didn't, just give it some time. He's going to change your desires. He's going to do some wonderful things for you. And you're going to fall in love with Jesus. And, and, and should Jesus come back today, you will be ready. Now, all of us, let's pray for our family and our friends that are not ready. I know we've probably done this already, but let's do it again. Let's call them by name. Let's ask God to use us to give us opportunities. If not us, put them in a place uh, where they will call out on you. Let's go ahead and begin doing that now. If you're, if you're with your family now, uh, you're all believers, join hands and begin praying for those in your family that you know of that are not ready. They need Jesus. Lord, would you do that, God? Lord, our families, our friends, those that we have influence over, use us. Lord God, I pray that you would not let them die without knowing you. We call them to saving grace. Now, Lord, I know you won't make them, but Lord, you can put them in, in places. You can put them around people. You can put them in circumstances where they will want to call out to you. And I pray you would, Lord, even send angels, Lord God, whatever it takes to turn them to you. Would you do that, God? We want them to be ready. And again, Lord, use us. If it's not for them, use us for somebody else. Lord, give us the words to say. Give us, Lord, the opportunities. And if you do that, we will do it. We will be your witness. And I thank you for that. I thank you for the privilege of being a part of your kingdom and working for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I believe we're going to have some opportunities this week. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. And, and give you the words to say, and you just obey, okay? You just do what God has told you to do. Hey, y'all, we love you so much. So excited about seeing you. Uh, um, if you don't feel comfortable, okay, if, if this is not time for you yet, there's no condemnation from this house, from this pastor. We'll still live stream every service at 10 o'clock. But if you are ready, we're going to do our best to make this a safe place for you. And we'll have church together, believe in God, to, to show up. Hey, have a great Memorial Day weekend. We love you. Go in peace.